0: Hey, welcome into another episode of the Vigilant Sports Pacers podcast. I'm Scott Agnes. Well, today on the podcast, I'm joined in studio by Michael Hussein, the director of an upcoming ESPN 30 for 30 short entitled Slick Nancy in the Telethon. Pacer fans by now have surely heard about the infamous telethon that was seen on Channel 4 back in 1977 with the franchise's future in question. They were out of money, and this telethon executed by the Leonards was ultimately what kept the Pacers in Indianapolis and was one of the many factors in leading to the city's great sports landscape. Now the documentary will be shown on the 6 p.m. edition of Sports Center on Friday, February 19th and it will also be posted before then for anyone to view around the world next Tuesday, February 16th. It's just 15 minutes long and was really well done. I gotta commend Hussein and his team on putting together a terrific documentary that I think fans will really enjoy. The Leonard's are obviously a focal point in the whole thing, and it's fun to hear the stories, see all the photographs, and even the raw footage from that telethon, which turned out to be a big success. Subscribe now to the Vigilant Sports Pacers podcast on iTunes and on Stitcher. Comments and questions, those are all welcome at Scott Agnes on Twitter or Scott at VigilantSports.com. For all the details on the project, I sat down with Michael Hussein, who pitched the idea to ESPN and then executed it perfectly. This Pacer Telethon is going to be a, a special thing. I've already previewed it and it is spectacular. And now I'm pleased to be joined by the guy, Michael Hussein, in studio, the director. And this is one of those things that there's no front facing person. So that's you, uh. the director in these 30 for 30 shorts. Is you tell me about uh, the kind of pressure that comes along with that for you, Michael? <laughs> no pressure, no
1: pressure um other than being able to articulate uh, in interviews like this it it's uh, uh, it is a really neat medium that uh, that ESPN films has set up where it's very director focused. Um, you know, and that's this was a very different project that way in that a lot of documentaries that you produce for television um you know, there's uh, there's sort of a, a, a strict series of guidelines that you have to hit, and uh, this was one where you are directing very freely, um, and and so you you it's your vision, and uh, and then they sort of celebrate the idea of filmmaking, which is. Uh, which is a rare and very cool thing.
0: I've worked with ESPN some. I know there's a laundry list of paperwork you got to fill out and directions. What's their like? You said the direction was it a couple pages of requirements that you have to hit for it to be considered?
1: No, no, it's not like that. Once okay. they once they like the idea, um, then you're the filmmaker and you're the guy to go make it, or you know. It's, and so, um, in fact, the the first conference call after they greenlit it. Um, I was going through these things. So, you know, are there standards that you want to do here? You know, I've, I've done work with ESPN before, and it's this, this, and this. They're like, no, no, this is an easy conference call. We're just kind of kicking it off. You go where you want to go, just let us know. Keep us in touch, you know, keep us in touch of sort of how things are progressing. Oh, and from your standpoint, you're like, oh, good, hands off, let's go. You, you get to that, but initially it's like, oh, man, <laughs> you, know, you almost <laughs> feel more pressure. <laughs> I hope I don't screw this up. But, uh, but
0: then it is very freeing. Um, But you do have to kind of relax your mind a little bit. So with this whole story, for those that don't know, it's back in 1977. The Pacers threatened to leave town um, just because they were in financial ruin. They needed money to survive, as simple as that. So they held a telethon in short notice. We'll get into all of that. For this ESPN 30 for 30 short, why did you present it to ESPN? Why do you think it was a good enough story that... More than those outside of Indianapolis, Central Indiana Pacers fans needed to see this. Well, because it was a really
1: unique uh, little story that uh, actually, you know, generationally, there's a lot of people here that don't know the story anymore from, you know, something that happened in 1977. But anyone who's maybe 45, 50 or over kind of knows about it, who who grew up here. But uh, um, outside of Indianapolis... Very few people know about it, and uh, you know the, the way that sports has grown over the, the whatever forty years it yes. has since then uh, is so incredible and 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 overwhelming the the money behind sports that the idea that a team a professional sports franchise was uh, on the verge of bankruptcy because of two million dollars. Um, and back the, then, that's it, way that, more than it is today. Well, that's, that's the idea: is that it, <laughs> it was an incredible amount of money to to the ownership group. It wasn't the Simons that owned them then; it was a a group of six or seven small businessmen, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, and they had sort of maxed out their lines of credit. They they didn't have any more money to put in, and so uh, you know they they really were so strapped that if they didn't come up with this money, they had to move the team. Uh, but anyway, getting back to your, your original question, it, it was, it's almost unfathomable that today, if you had the Pacers or the Lakers or anybody else say, hey, you know, we're on rough, it's rough times.
0: <laughs> we got to throw a last ditch <laughs> to yeah, effort together.
1: How about you guys, yeah. you, the community who build our stadiums and pay tickets and pay exorbitant amounts for beer, come and save us? Uh, you know, no, Nobody would believe it, but it happened. Yeah,
0: that's pretty crazy. So then before you presented it to ESPN. And I'd like to know how that process works. If it's just you had a source there, a contact there mm-hmm. that helped you to it, or there's a formal submission form. But is that something first you kind of do your own research with it, see how easily this can be done? Mm-hmm. And if I assume you got to have the Leonard's on board with this or it's not a story.
1: Yes, you you definitely do have to have the Leonard's. Uh, the the initial process, for me, I've done a lot of work for ESPN over the years, so it was just a matter of sort of uh, being connected to the the person who ran Thirty for Thirty, um, and so the the meeting itself um, was was basically a, a referral. Um, but there is a formal process that that anybody has to go through. Um, and so I had to go through that too, but it, it helps yeah. to have somebody that can connect you. And they're very
0: particular and every one of theirs is very good. Yes. So yeah, you have, you yeah. have to be good enough.
1: Um, and, <laughs> yeah. and that's, uh, I guess it is a nice compliment to get the meeting. Um, but, uh, even then beyond that, uh, so if you can get in the door, then, you know, you have to have some good stories. Um, and so going in with the telethon, it was a story that I had thought about, um, maybe a decade ago uh, 9 10 years ago and did a little bit of research into there really wasn't a lot of footage of the telethon. It was what I quickly came up against and so um you know looking at a a traditional full length documentary um a half hour or an hour pretty tough to fill that um and so i kind of put it aside and uh and then as the as the shorts came along um that one sort of came back out to me as like, you know, maybe we could do that. Then it's really kind of feasible with with what what you're working with. This is like maybe just the right medium. So um, when I pitched it, it was was very quick. The response was like, wait, tell me more, tell me more, tell me more. And within 10 minutes, we were pretty sure that that we were going to go forward.
0: Wow, greenlit. Kind of. I mean, I'm sure there yeah, was a yeah, formal there's, 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 process, but yes. But essentially, you, you got the okay. Yep. You can sort keep of tell keep him. going down you can that tell road in the room. Yeah. Um.
1: And uh. then, uh, yeah, it maybe took another two weeks of some some back and forth on paperwork uh, before it was formally greenlit. But but the uh, we, I left the room feeling very very good.
0: Tell us a little bit about your background. And is this your first directing project? Whatever things have you done for ESPN, Michael? Uh. I have been doing this for uh,
1: for a while now, so I've done uh, probably close to a couple hundred hours worth of television programming. Um, most of that nonfiction documentary programming. So uh, for ESPN, uh, I've done. They had a this is their sort of flagship documentary series. Now, um, eight years ago, it was a series called Sports Century, which was basically their version of A and E's biography biographical programming about great athletes, uh, coaches. And I, I did twenty twenty five of those episodes for them. We were fortunate enough to win um, three national Emmys for that work, and uh, uh, did other work for them. Uh, have done specials when they did their twenty fifth anniversary uh, special. We did a reenactment of the the catch with Joe Montana and and uh, um, Dwight Clark, and and were able to to be a part of that production. Uh, have done a number of things for ESPN Outdoors. There was a series called The New American Sportsman, which we produced, um, uh, you know, a uh, a hidden camera thing for, uh, for <laughs> oh, Outdoors. <God. laughs> so yeah, and, and then uh, a lot of work with uh, Discovery and a and E. I I helped launch uh, the series American Justice on A&E, and uh, so that was a very long-running documentary series, uh, criminal justice-driven uh, A&E biographies lots of different things
0: take us through the project of putting one of these together and by this i mean how how much are you scripting out even before the interviews how you want to go with this um the research that goes into the interviews and then the post-production side of things when you're create the uh, still image with a moving effect and having graphics that whole thing share all all about that because i think people would be interested in that it's uh, it's very the, the first step is always research.
1: So uh, you've got to understand as much as you can about what happened. since, since, it, since it was a real event, you're not you know making something up. Uh, um, so you don't really create a script uh, so much as a very detailed outline. Uh, and that outline is driven by your research. So you have to understand, you know, f- for instance, this, you know who were who the owners? Um, uh, for something in 1977, who's still alive? Um, and uh, the you know that that's a shorter list than than you might think. Unfortunately, and, um, uh, and then reading as much of the of the background newspapers that that kind of you know historical research that you just you, you can't shortcut it. You have to just go, um, just dive in. Uh, there haven't been any books written about the telethon, so. But if it were a different subject, you might read books about things. Uh, once you've gotten that, then it's, you know, you could take any story and think about what's the newspaper coverage and that sort of thing. And you'd really only be getting the top layer. What you really have to do is talk to the people who were there. And so uh, you start calling people. Um, so, you know, I called Bill York, who's been at the Pacers. Forever. He was on our
0: last podcast, okay, actually. Well, there so you there you go. go. <laughs> I, mean, I mean,
1: that guy knows where all the skeletons oh, are Oh, my buried. goodness. Yeah. And, uh, Stories for days. Mm-hmm. Um uh, you know, we called Chet Kopic, who wound up being in the in the dock because he hosted the telethon. Slick and Nancy, uh, that's a no-brainer. Sandy Knapp, who uh was with the Pacers during this time. She knows everything, and she was sort of Nancy's right hand person and um uh just an incredible resource. Mark Monteith, uh, uh, Bill Benner. There, there there's tons and tons of people that we wound up talking to. For the telethon, you know, one of the things about it is it's quirky. It's a quirky, odd little story. Um, So not only did they put this thing together in a week or so, um, but, you know, they had to fill 16, 17 hours worth of time. And if you've never done television or radio or anything, that's a tremendous amount (laughs) of time. You can only talk for so long.
0: So you can only ask for come on, you know, send us your dollars. How many? Uh, yeah, how many yeah. times can you just try to energize the crowd? Because that's more than anything what you're trying to do. And and how many times they brought in special guests to keep the attention of those watching? <laughs> yeah. So
1: they, you know, they they brought in lots of local acts, magicians and jugglers and whoever could fill the time. Um, so we're trying to find who performed because. The, the Leonards or Sandy Knapp remembered these people coming on. And, no, and, it,
0: and you want to remember all those, not just for on-camera interviews, but to gather info and, and yeah. little tidbits that maybe we don't know or wasn't in the newspaper article. Exactly. And so, you know, what was it like backstage, that sort of thing. Sure, yeah. Um,
1: we were, uh, and, and every, you know, you'll get some gems there. Those are the things that you wind up remembering. You know, I saw this documentary about a telethon, and they had this guy that performed, you know, and he was talking about d- whatever, you know, that the licorice was. Can
0: you believe you know, that we had to do this in it, it, yeah. order to do that? Yes, yeah.
1: yeah, exactly. Those little tidbits. So, you know, try digging to find those sorts of things. Um, so all of that is research driven. And uh, once you've got, uh, you know, not that the research stops, but um, you you then start to to craft your outline to think, okay, who can best articulate this? If I want to go in this direction, um, who can best articulate? Um, but still not locking yourself into the story. Um, because this one changed. I, I, my background is more journalistic. And so I went down sort of the journalistic path with it initially. Um, and then we did the Leonard's interview and, uh, now I've met Slick and Nancy, you know, several times and, uh, but when you sit down with them, uh, and, and talk through these things, the way, and, and fortunately I had, I had thought far enough in advance that I wanted them to be shot in a, in a two shot, meaning they're both on camera at the same time. Um, and you know, we had cameras that got individual shots of them as well, but we did have that two shot because their interactions are so fun. I mean, the way that they roll their eyes at each other, <laughs> you know, laugh at each other, you know. You know, basically the way old married couples, couples do this thing, you know, he's an idiot, she's an idiot, I can't believe she did this, you know, that sort of thing.
0: Oh, um, oh slick. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah you just yeah, picture. Like, yeah, she Don't told bring him, that up again. Yeah, <laughs> and he
1: said this, and he's like, yeah, I did. You know, that sort of thing um, was priceless. And so when we got back and started watching that um, that particular interview, it became sort of more and more clear that the heart and soul of the story was not the physical process of um, the telethon and the raising money to save a professional sports team. That's 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 a layer of it and a very important layer of it. But the, the, the thing that really gets you, the thing that you remember um, is Slick and Nancy. And so they became more a part of the story than originally planned. Uh, just because they're so charming like that and, um, because of what they mean to Indiana basketball, because another key thread here is, is that Indiana's love affair with basketball, um, is so well-documented and so deep that, um, to give it a face, um, was an important consideration and one that I hadn't thought of initially, um, so, uh, so when we got into production, we got, you know, we didn't, it's a short film, so we couldn't do every interview. We couldn't interview 15 people and make it have, uh, make it resonate with an audience. You need to kind of buy into a couple of personalities. Um, Slick and Nancy um, wound up being the key ones. Uh, Bill yeah. Denner and Chet Kopic were really, that's, that's all we talked with in terms of on camera. And uh, just let the story unfold through their eyes. Um, Bill was a little more objective because he was a reporter at that time. He works for the Pacers now, but uh, um, and, uh, and Kopic is uh, a, a big personality who uh, and that's, you know that's one of the reasons he was the host because he could carry off something like that. Um, and uh, so then it was a matter of you know you, you've got that's sort of the, the interviews are the spine of the story, so to speak, how it's fleshed out. Uh, around those bones is, is the visual material or the audio material. Uh, and there really just isn't a lot of visual material left from the telethon. Uh, again, 16 or 17 hours worth of television. But at some point in history, uh, it aired on Channel 4, uh, they, you know, they tossed out Virtually all those elements.
0: Oh, I was um, going to say maybe even recorded over them at, you know, at some point. May, but yeah.
1: Maybe recorded over and then tossed out. But I anyway. know in
0: some of my previous internships at t- local TV stations, yeah. one of our jobs was to empty out old footage rooms. Yeah. So, yeah, that's yeah. unfortunate for a guy like you especially in oh, yeah. those historians that really want to go back and find it. Or, and because someone like me... I wasn't alive with the telethon. I have right. no idea what was happening. This is the first time I had seen true footage f- yeah. from it. It was like,
1: spectacular. There are incredible stories in those news vaults, you know. But <laughs> it, um, and and they you know it, they do a little bit better job now of donating to the historical society or something like that. A lot of times when they got a clear space, uh, but there's still a lot of recording over. And you know now that things are digital too, it's just really just adding <laughs> server space. But in the in the days of tape. Uh, and this was also in that transition between when, when they used film and then went to old, the oldest forms of videotape. So um, the records aren't as good. It, it's, uh,
0: but anyway, you know, we dug and dug and dug. How ultimately uh, did you go about finding the footage? I think it was at Channel 13 that had the broadcast, correct? They, well, no, it was a simulcast, um,
1: 13 and 6 um, copied what channel four was doing so so oh, they, okay so there were gotcha. um uh so channel four was the lead on it and so uh channel four fortunately uh there was a retrospective that was done their birthday um and there was some footage in there and so that's uh that's sort of the key area uh, where we were able to, to to find some footage and then you know, it's not the first time that I've run up against things where there's no real footage, uh, but there are ways around it. You know, you try and think of, um, uh, you know, what about audio? OK, WIBC and and, and, and some other radio stations were very involved um, in, in promoting it and, and, and um, were there for part of the um, the broadcast. And so we, uh, you know, tried to contact the radio stations uh, Again, nobody's nobody's got real deep archives, um, at least that included the telethon. Um, you know, okay, what about photographs? Just still photos. The uh, the star certainly covered it, uh, but they only had. And I talked to, because when you watch the the little bit of footage that we have you can see at least two photographers, still photographers running okay. around. Okay, so now you go so try you know, to find those exactly, guys or yeah. their outlet. Yeah, so you, you, know, you send footage to a couple of people and say, do you know who that guy is? Um, you know, and so I found at least one of the photos uh, or photographers, and uh, yeah. you know, he remembered shooting it, um, but the, uh, you know, the archives would have been with the star. The star at this point only has three photos. Uh, wow, three photos.
0: Oh, that's <laughs> troubling for a guy like you. Yeah, you're hoping yeah. they have a database of absolutely 75 100 all, all, all the today negs. It's probably 800. Yeah, but. <laughs> the negatives,
1: you know, you just, you, just, you know, all I got to do is find a contact sheet that, mm-hmm. that showed what all the negatives were. Oh, man. Um, and then I can dig in and, and find what I need. I can tell the story that way. And uh, nope, we got three photos. So, uh, um, you know, so so you're, you're basically kind of stuck. With okay, I've got I've got three photos. We actually only wound up using two, as it turned out. Um, but uh, um, and then
0: you build creative ways to, yeah, to display do. those on the screen, so right. it's not so, just oh, look here's a, here's a picture.
1: Well, you know, so what we did was put those photos in an environment. So put one, and we found a '70s era studio television camera um, and shot a photo of uh, everybody. You know, the the, the stage, this the set for the telethon and shot it from like five different angles. So we used it, you know, four or five times. We took the telethon footage that we had, which is only a, a couple of minutes worth of footage, and dropped it into an old television um, of the 70s era, and then shot that. So not only do you see the telev- the telethon footage full screen, but then you cut out, and you see a, a, a TV, and a uh, you know, maybe a Pacer's banner, and you come around the old black and white uh yeah you know, or colored, you know, slightly colored television, you know, those that kind of really muted mm-hmm. from the seventies, um, that, that feel that's a little grainy. And, and, uh, so because part of what we wanted to do in the original outline, the kind of creative brief was to capture the seventies. Um, one of the first things you see when you watch this footage is Slick's slick suits, I mean, they're, they're they're shocking. They're they are brightly colored, massive collars. Um, you know, it's the disco era. It's like it's just uh, amazing. So the the seventies hair is there. The you know, he's got massive sideburns. The uh, uh, so so we wanted to f- get the feel of the seventies. The kind of you know at this point it's it's sort of fun and funny to look at. Absolutely. And so. Uh, um, so getting the old television was part of that. It was part of, like, just saying, you know, okay, remember, the 70s were, while they're not that far ago, it's a long time ago. That's re- one of the reasons that this telethon could happen where it happened, Indiana, and when it happened in the 70s.
0: And I assume digitally you put a picture in there, if I recall right? No, there we, was a picture in there and in on the TV. the TV.
1: We No, we fed the telethon footage. Oh, so, okay. So uh, we took a... a I
0: can't remember if it was a DVD. Yeah, we made a DVD of the footage. See, these these little things, like, for a, what could be a five-second moving frame. Yes. You might invest 30 minutes to a couple of hours, oh, easily hours into an environment.
1: Yeah, because, first of all, we weren't sure the TV was going to work. Um, and, uh, and then we got it so that it was it's turning on. We didn't need sound. We just needed the picture tube to work. Mm-hmm. And so then, you know, it had the old kind of rabbit ears reception thing and uh, this engineer guy was able to figure out a way basically to feed the footage into the TV.
0: Oh, I figured you had a digital post-production trick no, on that one. No, it's actually fed and it's <laughs>
1: playing. Uh, and then we were in a studio and then we just did, did camera moves around um, at the, the footage as it played. So we ran that two minutes worth of footage on the t- that, that old TV probably ten different times and created different camera moves. We just looped it. And, uh, and then when we want to cut in during the documentary, we might just take a 10-second clip here, 10-second clip there. It's footage you've probably already seen in the doc, but we're repeating it in this environment, and it's fresh to your eyes. So yeah. it helps, for me, milk time so I can tell the story.
0: Mm-hmm. And then I thought, going back to the, how you use utilize those pictures and stuff, I thought it was a cool shot. So simple, but I believe, uh, if I recall right, you had a still picture on top of a camera with the on-air yeah. something light on, yeah. the red light. Exactly. Just kind of indicating, hey, it's a telethon, it's live, here's the image from it, and here's the camera just to add yeah. add a nice little feel to it. And just oh, thanks. A small yeah. environment, but I, I like yeah. it.
1: Yeah, I mean, you, you, do, uh, you do what you can, and... Uh, Either. How many of those do you record and never use? In this one, we had three photos. We wound up using two. Um, so we you know, we also did record some photos of, uh, of slick coaching and things like that. Just
0: weren't exactly telethon related. But as far as the environments that you create or every environment you make and spend hours on, you're going to use.
1: No, no. No, sometimes you just don't use them. Yeah. Um, but, uh, uh, and sometimes you're not sure. Like, okay, um, you know, do we shoot that? that photo you're talking about on top of the camera, uh, we might've also shot it next to like, because this was 16 and a half hours and they, they were, ch- his chick, uh, slick was a chain smoker back then. So, you know, I, we also shot that, I think in front of a, an ashtray with like you okay. know, cigarettes burning and just kind of that smoke rising and, um, wound up not using it in, in that environment. Um, so, so yeah, you do shoot things that you don't, you don't use. There's lots and lots of footage. The interviews,
0: uh, alone, I think we talked to Slick and Nancy for probably mm, well over an hour. It's like a fourteen, fifteen-minute short. So yes. even though they're maybe on camera or their audio is used for a couple minutes, mm-hmm. you're probably still using all kinds of their facts and info that they showed throughout the documentary. Definitely,
1: definitely, they they're giving you while you do a pre-interview with them on the phone and things like that. Um, what people tell you on camera is just it's gold for, uh, for you. These are the people who lived it. These are the people who really drove the, drove the bus. So, um, uh, you know, yeah, there's lots of stuff that they gave us, not only that, that inform, you know, facts and stories that go into the thing, but they inform maybe how you might ask, like, you know, there might have been something they said that drove a question that I asked to Bill Benner later. Yeah, they tipped uh, you off to something yeah, that I you didn't just know. weren't aware of. Right. Uh, and you can really only get that through conversation. Uh, and that 's again another one of those things that it 's not purely journalistic it's it 's a film, and so a lot of it is uh, is getting a feel for things and and you know memories are fuzzy after forty years, so you know Slick and Nancy might remember the prep time of this um, as a week. you know we came up with the idea we had a week to pull it off. Um, somebody else might remember it as ten days or fourteen days but
0: Whatever it is it's it's an incredibly tight window of time to put on something so long going live and the number of acts they had to, yeah, to sign yeah. up and take in to fill time well one of the it's stor- amazing they got it on
1: one of the great little stories that uh, uh, that, that what that's not in the, the film ultimately but uh, there was a guy here in town a dr. Rushmore I actually think he's still alive Um and uh, he had done a lot of work prepping out Jerry Lewis telethons uh, for muscular dystrophy, which uh, so he had worked on those things. They the somebody knew about him, so when they came up with the idea for the telethon, like one of the first calls they made was to this guy, and he heard what they were trying to do and in the time frame they were trying to do, and he laughed at him. He said, "It takes a minimum of that. six months <laughs> to pull this off. Um, how would you even get time on television?" You know. You're asking a week from now for a television station to completely bump their schedule and, and allow you to sit on there for 16 or 17 hours?
0: Did they donate that time, or how did that work? Channel
1: 4 was their broadcast partner, and it was an independent station. So CBS or ABC or NBC couldn't have done it. It just would have been impossible contractually. But an independent station could. Uh, and so, yeah, the, the station manager was a guy named Don Tillman, who now is a professor out at, uh, in USC. Um. He wiped the schedule clean. Said, "You know, whatever you need, we'll do it." I mean, it was in their interest too. The, mm-hmm. you know, that's their team. If that team leaves town, they're, they got nothing. It's less
0: of an intrigue and excitement yeah. to the city. Yeah. yeah.
1: But uh, but anyway, this you know this Dr. Rushmore said, you know, how are you going to fill the time? How are you going to do all these things that have to be done over the course of six months? They pulled together, you know, in, in at lightning speed. Um, so you know that's that's a little story that you know we didn't have time for. It took us a little bit out of you know our story but uh, is a good little nugget. Yeah.
0: With this ESPN 30 for 30 short, it's a little less than 15 minutes. If you had it your way, is that about right? Would you like to go 20? Would you have gone an hour?
1: For this one, it's right. Okay. Um, uh, uh, There just isn't enough footage that would hold a a viewer's eyes and interest um, in a longer piece. Uh, If you were doing a feature film on it, and you had actors, and you could make the sets and do everything you wanted to do. Mm-hmm. It's a great story. There's all these you could then you know mimic the acts. You could uh, you could mimic the meeting with you know Doctor Rushmore and, and those sorts of things. And you could easily do a, a two hour feature just on this little story if you wanted to. Um, so yeah, whoever wants to make the feature no, smell, <laughs> let me know. But um, and
0: you'll take care of it. yes,
1: yeah. right. Uh, but uh, for a, for a documentary. Short film like this, this is just about the perfect length.
0: Let's hit some some of the nuts and bolts of this whole thing. Do you know approximately how many hours of footage that you maybe f- filmed Ooh. here yeah, through, I, throughout this whole thing? I, I've never totaled it up, but
1: yeah. in general, I would say that's a forty to fifty to sixty to one ratio, something like that. Okay. Um, so you know, like if you do an hour long piece, you could easily do fifty, sixty hours of shooting to get down to that uh, that one hour. So this is a fifteen minute piece you know, whatever the math is on that.
0: Then from concept to the research, from that point till today, how long have you been working on this? I don't know. Um,
1: I would guess that it's, it's probably one that would uh, it would would drive me crazy if I really went back and looked at it because yeah. you know you're you're, not, you're making below minimum wage if you figure out how many okay. hours you put in, but it's it's a, it's a joy. So it's really not you're not looking at it from that perspective. It's it's you want to do the best job possible on this story that you're kind yeah. of really into.
0: If you don't mind sharing, as far as payment goes for you, is it based at all by views or anything, or is it just let's knock it out? No, we're um, and, out. Here's and the we're contract. gonna. This yeah, is what okay. we do.
1: So you know, make it work within this. I'm like,
0: Okay, they, they own. technically so, yeah, own. it. Yeah, so you complete
1: yeah. it and deliver it to them, and
0: uh, uh, you know they run it and do whatever they want with it. How big of crew did you have, or is it just you and you hire them for the work that you need done? Yep, that's uh,
1: um, there were. There are a couple of guys that are they are really fine uh camera operators directors of photography um, that I wanted to use on this um you know, andy young and and vinnie and so um, they came and 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 helped you know with all the shoots and uh kind of created the look you know getting getting that that nice fluid motion on the uh uh the old photos or the old television mm-hmm. uh the the shots at the arena, you know, looking through the net and seeing Slick's, uh, you know, Hall of Fame banner, that that sort of thing. Um, you know, they really provide some beautiful visual elements for that. Uh, the editor, a guy named Mark Costello, is, you know, just just a talented guy. And so, uh, but it's a, it's a pretty small group. And uh, um, it, it's a very collaborative Um while the you know director gets to do these fun interviews and 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 you know be the guy as you said, uh, it, it really is a team. There's no no way this
0: stuff ever gets done without a team. So take us on set, for instance, when you're talking with S- Slick and Nancy Leonard, mm-hmm. you sitting in a chair mm-hmm. beside asking questions off camera with the right. two guys you just mentioned shooting. Mm-hmm. Is that That's what right. the setup is like? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're. Uh,
1: for for that particular piece, yeah, we had two cameras. Um, I'm I'm there essentially between the two cameras. Um, and just having... What you try and do is to get the interviewees, in this case, Slick and Nancy, to relax. Uh, everybody is always freaked out when there's a camera around now. Now Slick is on TV and radio all the time, <laughs> sure. so he's completely comfortable with it. And Nancy's been around long enough that she is too. But what you want to get to is a conversation. Uh, you want to have... People let their guards down, and and you know, and some of the questions, for instance, Slick certainly has answered a thousand times, and you kind you kind of get into um, you know a, a routine of what you answer at a certain question. What were the ABA days like? Well, they were great. It was crazy, you know. You know, our our guys competed, and you know, we you could go we, a million we were, different ways with yeah, it. yeah. We went after them all the time, and it was so much fun, you know. And so, but you have to follow that up. You have to get deeper than that for a documentary, and so. Um, that's a conversation that's, that's a lot of listening, a lot of follow-up questions, um, and, and making people forget the surroundings, the camera, the lights, the microphone, they're wearing the microphone above their head. Um, you know, that stuff is all kind of gets in the way of the first five or 10 minutes of an interview. And then, uh, as you're talking, hopefully they forget it and just start talking to you. So you maintain eye contact and you listen really well. And you're constantly thinking about how does what they say play into the story I think I'm going to tell and yet also not be so rigid that you don't hear what they say. And if it's different than what you thought it was going to be, go with that um, and 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 allow them to elaborate. And maybe you got something better than what you thought you had.
0: Yeah, I'm sure you come in, I don't know, a page of questions of what you think you want to cover. Yeah. But you can't just, all right, number one, Mm -hmm. number two. Or otherwise, one, it doesn't sound great. And and they're just, it's very back and forth. Yep. And then also they may take you, as you said, they may take you in a totally different direction or bring up something you had no clue about.
1: Yep. It happens all the time. And, uh, you know, what I try and do myself is is really go over those questions that I have written down a number of times before they ever sit down. So uh, what I like to do is I have it there. Um, but I then very visibly let them see me put it aside. So I'll take those questions and put them aside so that they don't think that that I'm just running down a list of questions for them. Um, And then we can start a conversation. Now, at a break, you know, so we might talk for 40 minutes and we got to change a battery or something like that. Um, I'll pull that sheet back out, look, check off what I've done, see, okay, there's five things i still got to get to, put it aside again. Um, Is that a
0: lesson you learned from anyone in particular? I'm curious. Um,
1: Just... Over time, um, I think I did it once. I happened to be better prepared for some interview than I thought I was, and so I didn't yeah. need it. And I, you know, I actually now that I now that you mentioned, it, I hadn't thought back. This this was fifteen twenty years ago. Um, I saw the interviewee looking at my question list, just sitting in my lap. I saw their eye line would kind of go down to that every so now. and then. So they're probably now, already thinking, thinking ahead. What's the next thing? What's the next thing? What am I going to say? I'm like you know, that that's. That's the unnatural that I don't want in in this process. So I took it and I put it under my chair, um, and it worked like that. That interview went better. So uh, I, I, it was something I tried to repeat, and it's
0: generally worked pretty well. As we talked about beforehand, without. Without Nancy, I mean, you can't tell the full story, and I I think there should be a statue in front of Bankers Life Fieldhouse of Slick, but you gotta have Nancy right there with him. No question. What'd you learn about just Nancy and the the role she played in everything and still plays today? Because she drives that ship. That's what I learned. (laughs) I
1: learned that she drives that ship, Uh, and uh, you know, you don't you don't get Slick on camera for something like this unless Nancy signs off first, Um, and you have to. uh, Nancy has to believe in what you're doing. Uh, she's very protective uh of Bob as she calls him she doesn't call him slick
0: yeah that's um, interesting cuz we everyone nowadays sure. even a banker's life calls him slick
1: yeah and he, he doesn't mind it i don't think they mind it it's just you know uh, you know he wasn't slick when she yeah, met him it's just what you know she was Bob or he was Bob uh, <laughs> and uh uh so the uh she's she's super super smart um she does not forget anything um, so you can say something and a month later, bring it back up. She goes, Oh yeah, I remember, you know, it's, uh, it, she's, I don't know, they're in their eighties. Um, you would think she's in her fifties. She's just sharp mm-hmm. and she goes to every game. She's, you know, she's, she's like the biggest fan, uh, there is. And, and, uh,
0: yeah, it's uh, pretty, on, on that note, there's a couple shots at the very beginning, I think the end, mm-hmm. still holding hands, they're yep. walking in, yeah. so they're in love. walking into Banker's it's, life. And you, you wouldn't know that they've been married 50 years no, if you just heard them or, or no. saw what the actions they showed towards each
1: other. Again, that's the, once we realized that, that that was going to be a significant part of the film, it became not a, so much a telethon story. In fact, the initial title of it was the telethon. Um, it became Slick, Nancy, and the telethon um, because it's a love story. It's it's you know they met at IU. Um, you know Bob was a star basketball player there and won the national championship for IU in '53 with a with a late free throw. And <laughs> uh, um, you know she was you know his his fiance. He went off to war. Um, you know went off to the military and and you know came back um, and then you know had a great pro career. And, and, uh, um, so they, you know, but she became so knowledgeable about basketball through their relationship and she's such a fan. So their basketball isn't, uh, you just can't unravel it from their life and their relationship. It's, it's just a part of them. And so that was a really nice metaphor I thought for the entire state of Indiana uh, where basketball is such a critical part of growing up here. Um, there just isn't a kid who doesn't, doesn't shoot around in the driveway. Um, and, uh, and it's been that way forever class basketball or not, you know, it's just, um, people here love this sport and, and will do almost anything for it. And so that feeds ultimately into the telethon, not only slick and Nancy's participation because they were employed by the Pacers, um, But, uh, but also the, the, what the, the city and the community was asked to do, um, come and save professional basketball here. So, so those, those themes, uh, and, and, and their love, you know, you, as I say, they, they, it's pretty cool. It is. Um, you know, it's, they're the grandparents that, uh, that everybody wishes they had, you know, you see them, as you say, holding hands or just chuckling with one another, you know, the. Sometimes when you watch people laugh with one another, you kind of see it in their eyes. And,
0: yeah, uh, they're uh, just giggling like they're 18 yes, and, exactly. and in love for the first time. Yes. It's still going. Yep. So this thing's called Slick Nancy in the telephones. Right there, it says directed by you, Michael Hussein, In uh, a short director, how do you define what that role is for something like this? The biggest part of it is the, the crafting in that
1: outline and creative brief and taking that through to the finish. So, uh, it's like a, it's like a funnel, you know, the wide part is when you're just in the outline stage and you narrow and narrow down to, to so you choose who are we going to interview to tell the story? What's it going to look and feel like directing those cameras in the field? You know, I want to make sure that we have, um, a shot that, that goes, um, you know, left to right, because I know we're going to come out of something else that goes right to left and I want to contrast, Um, little, so, so all sorts of little things like that. Um, color schemes. Do we, you know, do we infuse a little blue or a little gold into things just because those are pacer colors, whatever it might be. Um, and then because the interviews are the, the bones of, of the, of the piece, um, driving and conducting those interviews. So, uh, you know, again, you can be a good listener or not a good listener and, uh, and ask questions based
0: upon that. So, so the director really, really drives or directs that. Sure. How many versions of this? did you have was it one of those where you made several edits along the way and this was that that fourth and final piece and and were any of those coming from from espn and said hey let's change this or do you have complete control over the finished product you
1: have complete control but they they certainly suggest and they're smart suggestions um you know i've certainly worked with uh, executive producers at networks where you get a suggestion and you think it's you know, that is not for the betterment of the Where's story. Where's this coming that's from? Just, he he that's just, that's just doesn't ego understand. Driven, or yeah. it's just ego driven. It's like, I can make a suggestion, so I will. Um, none of this was like that. This, These were all great suggestions, um, you know, and, and they were outsiders to the story, more or less. So, So, you know, hearing, you know, boy, when this... When this chuckle happens, make sure you don't cut that off because it was great. You know that moment was really stuck with me.
0: And being an outsider provides a unique perspective because even I know this. Writing your stories, you know how you want it, so mm-hmm. sometimes you'll mistakenly do Again. something or in in writing you know, yes. have words that that shouldn't be there mm-hmm. or you misspell. You just need a, an outside perspective to look it over Absolutely. several times.
1: Everyone needs an editor. You know, I, yeah. you know, I you know you look at the great authors of you know modern day, you know Stephen King or whatever. And uh, I promise you, his editor does tremendous work for him and never gets credit for that. So there are always you know, good, trusted eyes looking at things and giving you feedback and suggestions. And you don't have to take it, um, but, uh, but a lot of times it's better than what you would have done anyway or, um, or complimenting what you've done. So you want to make sure you don't lose it. Um, so, uh, yeah, they were, to answer your question, there were probably five or six different okay. versions before we got to the final
0: Couple last hits I want to hit on most memorable thing for you about this entire project. Uh, I'm a
1: relationship guy, so uh, um, really getting to know Nancy a little bit was a lot of fun. Uh, I just think she's great. I think it's her story more than anything. Um, uh, you know, she, you know, that that the credit, for instance, that Bob gives her for. Yeah, you know, she was technically the assistant general manager during those ABA yeah. Pacer days, um, but he sa- he says it on camera. He says like there wasn't no assistant about it. It was you know <laughs> she was the general manager. I was the coach. I you know I, they had that title because I was a I was a man essentially, but uh, but she did all the work and uh, you know she really she motivated people. She and Sandy Knapp sat in the you know the conference table with you know looking they'd been management had had told them. Look, we don't have any money, and they're like, oh, "What do we gonna do? How do we fix this?" So, they didn't just sit on their hands and say, "Well, we can't do anything." They said, "We got to find something. We got to do something." And so, um, you know, the the Pacers, as we know them, the Fieldhouse, all that doesn't exist. Yes. If, if Nancy yeah sits on her hands that day in
0: 1977 and, and
1: she says, "I can't do anything," sorry.
0: And there was a great shot folks will see at the very end where she gets emotional. And, hey, we did this. Mm-hmm. That was a nice ending to the kind of the whole story.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And uh and you know and and there are plenty of people who will tell you that not only did they save Pacers and what the Pacers have become but uh there's no way the Colts, a professional football franchise, would have come here yep. in in the early
0: 80s. Um without the knowledge that that the fan base would support them. It's amazing how drastic difference the city would be yeah. if there's no Pacers, because then there's no RCA Dome. Then there's no Colts. There's no Super Bowl. Then there's no Super Bowl. There's no Final Fours. There's no uh, you know, Big Ten tournaments, yeah, all N- those types of things. The NCAA
1: never moves here yeah, without uh, yep. that sort of thing. it's. Uh, um, so, you know, like anything, you pull at a thread and you could unravel an entire sweater. Um, you know, that was... <laughs> That was a really critical moment. That telethon, is as, as quirky and odd and homespun as it was, I mean, you know, you see the photos and the pictures, and it's like the set is, it's like made of cardboard. You know, there's like they got some tables that they have put like a blue banner around, and then it's like written in hand, "Save the Pacers." Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's
0: like uh, like the Chick Fil A cows have created a uh, a set. One thing you wish you could have done. One person, maybe you wish you could have talked to that you could not. It uh, I think more than anything, I wish that we could have gotten,
1: I wish the footage existed of the odd performers and the, mm-hmm. the that sort of, you know, just kind of weird mood around this 16 and a half hour thing. And uh, uh, so some of that, some of the oddity of it would have been fun to have. I, I do think, though, you know, the the result of that not being around is that the story has never been done before. And so... Um, yeah. Because it didn't exist and was sort of you know, easier fruit to pick for somebody else, I think I was able to do the piece because that footage didn't exist.
0: Last thing, as a director, when it when it comes out, when it's airing on TV, what are you doing? You holding a viewing party? What do you do? You got to <laughs> uh, celebrate, right? Yeah, you do, um, at least with close friends, uh, and friends and family. Friends and
1: family, yeah. Pop a uh, bottle of champagne or you know, something. Or a beer, anyway. But yeah, uh, you know, I'm not going to do the Peyton Manning, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah. I mean, it's going to run on Sports Center on the 19th uh, at in the six to seven uh, uh, p.m. window. So you know. I'll have first of all be recording that, and second of all, um, watch it, and it's funny. But you know, it's funny when you, for me anyway, when you watch the stuff come across. um, You're still sitting in the living room with your director's hat on. No, no, no beret. Sorry, (laughs) Um, but uh, and it just feels like a TV show. I mean, I know I created it, but. You're not seeing, you know, whatever the, you know, if there's half a million people that watch SportsCenter from six to seven. Mm-hmm. I don't see half a million people. I don't, re, you don't get that response. Yeah. So it's, it's like kind of cool to back your head to know that, yeah, there's more people, and, you know, and your phone will blow up. Oh, you know? of course. But, yeah. But, uh, but in general, um, it's just, an, I don't know. It's a, it's a cool moment. It is. Um, but it's not like, you know, I've had films shown in theaters and then you can, see the audience reacting over the course of the film that's a very different thing Um, so it's not like that but it's 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 pretty awesome nonetheless.
0: This is spectacular. I'm glad you did it. And I look forward to seeing it again and for everyone to to check it out. Slick Nancy in the Telethon. Michael Hussein joining me here today, the director, the guy that had it from concept to ESPN. I appreciate it, Michael. Thanks thank so much you. and congratulations. It, it. it was really good. Yeah, thank you. I'm glad you liked it. Thanks again to Michael Hussein for joining me in studio. I enjoyed our conversation there. Again, this episode. 30 for 30 short on Slick, Nancy, and the Telethon will air on the six o'clock edition of SportsCenter on Friday, February nineteenth, and can be seen online as soon as Tuesday, the sixteenth. Shout outs for this week. Number one, Paul George, who heads to his third All-Star weekend to the Pacers for beginning construction on the brand new St. Vincent Center, which should be completed in just about a year. And to Miles Turner for letting the former Pacer Roy Hibbard use his blazer when the Lakers were in town. Be sure to follow the Vigilant Sports Pacers podcast on iTunes and on Stitcher. If you like the podcast, please tell a friend. Thanks for listening, everyone.